Thanks for listening to the Sunday Teaching Podcast from Salt and Light, a community based in Fort Worth, Texas, making disciples of Jesus together by seeking His kingdom in everyday life. Find out more at saltandlightfw.com. Everybody else, if you'd like to, you can open to Ephesians 4 or Matthew chapter 5. So we're going to be bouncing a little bit back and forth between Ephesians 4 and Matthew 5. Uh, Father, would you be with us uh, as we just, just think about the core of who you call us to be, um, as we talk about discipleship, as we pray, as we remember our utter dependence on you for all of life and godliness, Lord, would you uh, just meet us in this place and give us words that are of you? Uh, Spirit, would you lead us and would you teach us? Um, would you guide us today uh, in, our, in our thoughts, in our prayers, in our feelings, in our discussion, in everything we do? It's in your son's name. Amen. All right, so I have two goals for us today. Our our servant leadership team has two goals. One is to remind us and and clarify uh, just just the fact that everything we do is centered around the idea of discipleship. And discipleship is one of those words that can mean everything and nothing. It's used in so many ways and so many forms uh, that we just want to bring some clarity to that today. And then we're going to spend some time praying and, and asking God to help us as we pursue that vision for discipleship and as we grow in Christ. So I just want to, from the offsets, let you know where we're headed. So across the board, Salt and Light has one objective goal, and that goal is summarized as discipleship. Um, Our mission, Salt and Light's mission from day one, uh, is to make disciples. It's the the first words of our mission, to make disciples of Jesus by seeking his kingdom in everyday life. And every phrase of that matters. Um, every phrase of that matters. Every phrase of our, of our uh, discipleship vision matters. We want to make disciples of Jesus by seeking his kingdom in everyday life. Making disciples should be the goal of every biblical church. Like this is the charge that Jesus left his people with as he ascended into heaven. Go into all the world and make disciples baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I command. And he said, I'm with you always. This is the great commission. This is why Jesus leaves us here. This is why we don't all fly away, oh glory, all fly away. This is why he, he leaves us on earth is to participate in his mission of making disciples. But here's the thing. There's a lot of things and a lot of people that others are disciples of. There's a lot of things that say, hey, follow me, right? There's a lot of people that say, worship me. There's a lot of ideologies or philosophies that people are disciples of. And so we just want to be clear that we are making disciples of Jesus. The sole aim, the overarching aim of this life, whatever we do, whatever we're learning, whatever our job is, whatever our family situation, household situation is, the thing that that flies over them all is to be formed into the image of God which we see most clearly in Jesus. And so Christ-likeness is the goal of all of life. And that's true in the high moments of life where it's so easy to forget God. It's true in the low moments of life where it's easy to reject God. And so part of our question is to go, what does it look like to be disciples of Jesus in all the ups and downs and all the situations of life? So how do we do that? We find that, that making disciples of Jesus happens as we seek his kingdom in everyday life. And again, those phrases matter as well. We're seeking the kingdom of God 
And, and that's a, a phrase that comes right out of Jesus's own prayer. You know this? Jesus says, our Father in heaven, what's he say? Hallowed be your name. So holy is your name. Then what? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's right. We believe that discipleship, part of discipleship is participating in Jesus's famous prayer, that wherever we go, that whoever we are with, that whatever we're doing, we're primarily there as ambassadors of a better God. We're representing a better king. We're, we're bringing the values and, and words of a greater kingdom with us. And this is important. The kingdom of God is more important than salt and light community. And, and that may sound strange. We're a church. We like our church. I hope you like our church as well. But, but if we aim for our church, our kingdom come, then, then we're missing the whole point. Um, er, early in the days when the, the Tatums and Conleys were, were praying about forming a new church community, Nicole, I think, had found this, uh, this, this phrase that said, if you aim for the church, you might miss the kingdom of God. But if you aim for the kingdom of God, you'll always get a church. And, and, and so we want to just clarify from ev- everything that we do, we don't want to be about Salt and Light's name um, as, a, as a 501 nonprofit entity. <laughs> we want to be about the kingdom of God as we live as Salt and Light throughout the earth. So we're seeking the kingdom of God. And we're doing so where? In everyday life. Um, where is it that making disciples happens? Where is it that we're seeking the kingdom of God? Certainly it's true when we gather like this. It's, certainly it's true when you're, when you're talking with, with friends and DNA groups and this kind of stuff. God's people gather, God's people, God's church comes together, but, but we also scatter as God's people. And we're sent by God into various places to live and eat and work and play and recreate and relate to others and, and to make disciples and this kind of stuff. It's the everyday stuff of our natural rhythms of life that we're making disciples by seeking his kingdom through every word, every action, and on and on and on. Why? Because that's who God created us to be. And that's who God empowers us to be by his spirit. We, we come back to these verses a lot, not those verses, though we do occasionally. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if that salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but, but up and on a stand, and it gives light to the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. And we say this next part almost every week as we send you out so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That's our mission. That's our church name. That's our kind of family DNA. That's, that's, our, that's our identity that we share together. You need to know this, like the, the name Salt and Light, it's not new. It's not exclusive to, to this specific body of believers. We, we just landed on this name after, after weeks of prayer, which we call this new entity. We landed on it just to overtly call us back to the things that God created us for and the things that God empowered us for, the things that God created all of his people for, and the things that God empowers all of his people for. We are salt and light. It's who we are. 
And so we do make disciples of Jesus by seeking his kingdom in everyday life. Because that's what God created us for. That's what God empowers us to all the time. That's what he empowers us to all the time. And and that informs our our vision of discipleship. Um, Our hope in our prayer is that as we seek God's kingdom, as we make disciples, that people will come to know Jesus. Baptism celebration Sundays are some of my favorite things that we get to do. But also that we wouldn't go, great, someone's in the kingdom, mission accomplished, done. Our our deepest hope and prayer is that people will come to know Jesus, but will also continue to grow up in him through the rest of our lives. And so as we talk about our overarching goal being discipleship, one of the places we see this is, is in Ephesians 4, where we see that God gave each other to you and God gave you to others so that we can grow up together. Because God's design isn't that, that we try to grow up separate from one another, as if we could conjure up everything that we need by ourselves to grow up in Christ. So again, this is laced throughout the Bible, but, but one of the places that we see this is, is God through Paul says that God gave the apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers, these are just different giftings in the church. Um, some, some are more just kind of in tune, you know, these people, they're just in tune with like obeying God and others are just all the time out there. They can't meet someone who doesn't know Jesus without somehow something welling up in them and, and de- de- declaring those things, sometimes winsomely, other times not, but hopefully winsomely declaring the good news. And, and you know, really good shepherds, those who care really well for you and others and teachers, and whichever one I forgot, um, apostles, those who, who take the gospel into to new places, that God gave us different giftings. Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. You need to know this. A lot of times when, if you've heard this verse or read this verse, those five titles are often thought of as like church leaders. Uh, pastors is, is another word for shepherd. Um, And yet what God's talking about in this verse and throughout the scriptures is this is all of us. Some of you are better evangelists by far than I am. Many of you are better shepherds and more caring than I am, for better or for worse. Um, This is all of God's people. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about just the body of Christ and everybody in his hands and feet and this kind of stuff. And this this is all of us together. Why, Why are you gifted in some ways? So that, again, verse 12, you can help equip each other for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body. And then Paul continues and gives us this vision of all of us growing up together until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And not just head knowledge, but like a deep relational knowledge, being known by and knowing Jesus intimately. To mature manhood or personhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we can no longer, so that we can move away from being children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out, uh, by, carried about by every wind of doctrine or obsessed with different doctrines, by human cunning, our, our reliance on ourselves and craftiness and deceitful schemes. None of those are ways to grow. Rather, here's, here's the way we grow in Christ. By speaking the truth in love. And that's a plural thing. So he's saying, by speaking the truth in love to each other, by bringing the gospel to bear in each other's lives, by sharing our areas of strength and other people's areas of weakness, we're to grow up in every way, which is to say, 
nobody's got it figured out in each way, but you might be more mature in some ways, and she might be more mature in other ways, and he might be more mature in different ways. We're to grow up in every way into Christ who's the head, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. How do we grow in Christ? How do we make disciples of Jesus by seeking his kingdom in everyday life? This is the thing that we get to do together. And by God's design, he calls us to do this together. And so so again, we are salt and light, and we do make disciples of Jesus by seeking his kingdom in everyday life, but we get to do it together. And all of that informs our church's vision and kind of definition of discipleship. Um, Matt and Nicole and I uh, got to be in in December with a guy named Jeff Vanderstelt, who some of y'all have met, others haven't, but our church is part of a, a network of churches called SOMA. Um, Jeff started the Soma family of churches by starting a church called Soma Tacoma, which is cute because it rhymes. Um, but he started Soma Tacoma in 2000, early 2000s or so, and our church has been walking with Soma uh, since even before uh, this church began. Um, and, and Jeff was talking about different elements of discipleship. And what does discipleship look like? And what's the posture we have of discipleship and this kind of stuff? And Jeff did so by, by looking at Jesus's first call to, to his first disciples. Uh, and we see this in other places. Uh, we see this in, in Matthew 4 as well. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew's brother, casting the net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, and they followed and, and as, as Jeff was talking about this, there's, there's three elements that he saw in this. And I'm just going to kind of uh, quote what he said about it. I want to give him the credit for this. Um, he said that the first element, follow me, means that discipleship is a relational thing. I will make you, or other translations say, I will make you into, so it's like an ongoing kind of thing, not just I made it once and I'm done, but I'll continually make you, me- means that discipleship is a transformative thing. And then fishers of men means that discipleship is a co-missional thing. We can dive into those words in a minute. It's relational, it's transformational, and it's co-missional. It's relational because didn't Jesus, Jesus did not just like give us a command and leave. Go do all this kind of stuff. Hey, you're going you're gonna to now make fishers of men. Good luck. Right? Go into all the world and make disciples. Good luck. No, he says, I'll, I'll be with you always. It's a relational thing. Jesus invites his disciples, both here and and us today, to walk with him. Jesus didn't just just teach things one way. He modeled things. There was this this heart, soul, mind, and strength kind of life together that Jesus pursued with his disciples. Discipleship is, is relational. Discipleship is transformational because something supernatural happens in true discipleship. There's a difference between knowing more of the Bible, knowing more attributes of God, knowing more theology. There's a difference between knowing something or even feeling something and truly being like heart, soul level changed. Does that make sense? 
And it's tricky and it's deceitful because sometimes it feels like, oh, I know more, therefore I'm a little bit better. Or I feel this thing that I've never felt before, I'm a little bit better. Those, those are good things for the record. But if they're not part of an ongoing deeper change, then we might be settling for too little. Discipleship is not just about school and knowing and, and even doing more. It's about motive and it's about worship and it's about heart change. It's about death coming into life and life growing. It's about worship and it's slow and it's messy, but it's very real. And then discipleship is commissional uh, because what God makes us into is the image of God. And, and that's been true since Genesis 1 when God created Adam and Eve. He said, we're going to create man in our image and they're going to image me forth into the world. Salt and light, what we are being formed into is the image of Jesus, and yet we are not ever going to be Jesus, right? Um, Jesus healed brokenness. He modeled a better God and a better life, and he spoke truly good news in other people's lives. What are we called to do as we're formed into the image of God? as we make disciples of Jesus by seeking his kingdom in everyday life, this is what we talked about the entire fall. We are a good news people seeking the healing of brokenness and, and, and speaking the better news and, and modeling a better life. We're doing the same things that Jesus did. But again, even in his great commission, Jesus said, I retain all power and authority. So Jesus didn't just wind us up and set us off. It's co-mission. We get to join Jesus in what God is already doing. That make sense? There's three elements to discipleship right from Jesus. Relational, transformational, and co-missional. And then Jeff explained each a little bit more, and I'm just going to race through this. It's relational because it means we worship Jesus and we follow Jesus, and it's transformational because we're changed by Jesus and transformed by Jesus. You know who's, you notice who's doing the action in all of this? We don't transform ourselves. Okay? All of this is from God, through God, and to God. It's, it's commissional as we learn to obey Jesus and as we join Jesus's mission. And then in this utterly mind-blowing moment for us as we're having this conversation, he summarized this with three phrases that just happen to be words we say a lot. Discipleship's relational, which means we want to be with Jesus. Discipleship is transformational, which means we want to become like Jesus. And discipleship is commissional because we do what Jesus did. So surprise, we didn't create those phrases. Jeff didn't even create those phrases. In fact, there's a guy named John Mark Comer who has a book coming out this week that is titled, Be Like Jesus, or subtitled, Be Like Jesus, Become Like Jesus, Do What Jesus Did. These are common phrases to talk about discipleship. That's a biblical view of discipleship. Y'all, discipleship is messy and it's slow and it's holistic and it involves all of life, heart, soul, mind, and strength again. But today when a lot of Christians talk about maturity, you've heard that word in Christian circles, or even the, the term discipleship or disciple making or growth, the way we talk about it is almost like this up and to the right kind of thing. Like it's this across the board objective, she's mature, he's not mature. As if like she's a teenager, he's middle-aged kind of thing. Like it's this whole across the board, one kind of view of how, how mature you are. You're 64% mature, you're 21% mature and that kind of stuff. That's, that's not how the Bible talks about maturity. 
Um, I had the opportunity to, to go skiing this week with a couple other uh, gentlemen in the room today. Um, and I had this thought, like, the way that Christians talk about discipleship is often like, like the ski lift. Anyone, you've been skiing, maybe, some of you, or at least you've seen it, seen it in a movie. Um, so ski lifts take you from the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mountain. Everybody's going the same pace. Everybody's going the exact same direction. Everybody's going the same way. It's very efficient. It's very fast. It's very one direction. And when we think and hear about the idea of discipleship, it's, it's a lot of that. There's, there's a step one, step two, step three kind of class. There's a, you, you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this, and then as, as if all of us are exactly the same and need to grow in different ways, and a unified, efficient step one class is going to get us all to the same place before the step two class, before the step three class. We think about discipleship like a ski lift. And I think the other thing that happens on a ski mountain is much more true of discipleship. Because there's a whole lot of runs, a whole lot of paths if you prefer to hike the same mountain in the summer when the snow is melted. For the record, it is warmer in Colorado this week than it is in Texas today. So that's weird. Um, but there's blues and, and green runs and black runs, and some of that depends on the level of skill. But it's not like once you graduate to the black, you're never allowed to go back to the green. And, and you kind of meander down the mountain if you've skied or snowboarded before, and you, fi- you find new paths, and then you take a lift back up, and, and it becomes this little bit kind of circular thing. And, and you go from one to the other, and, and maybe you develop some new skills as you go over moguls, but man, moguls hurt my knees, so I don't want to do moguls very much, so I can do moguls, but I need to go back to just the downhill. And there's all of these different, very kind of organic, circular, over and over exploration realities that happen when you're skiing or hiking or this kind of stuff. Do you get the image? I think discipleship is a lot less, not I think, I know biblically, discipleship is a lot less like a ski lift. Fast, one direction, up and to the right. And discipleship is much more like a meandering ski run, which again is organic and circular and exploratory. And man, there's these, all these commands in the Bible. You know how many commands there are in the Bible? Just the Old Testament has some 613 commands. Some of us are good at obeying some commands and others are really hard. Do you agree with that? Like some just, you're just like, yeah, I can do this. And then you're amazed when someone else has a hard time with that command. You know why? You're not them. They're not you. There's all these gifts mentioned throughout the Old and and New Testament. There's many ways that the gospel sounds like good news to different aspects of life. And again, for some of us, we're like, how is not everybody gifted in this way? It feels so natural to me. Again, you're not them, they're not you. It's easy to see how the gospel applies to this part of life. It's really hard for me to see how the gospel applies to this part of life. But man, she can tell me the gospel and like that in that part of my life. You're not me, I'm not you. We desperately need one another. Some of us are better at some runs. Some of us are better at some trails to hike. No one is gifted in everything for all of life, for all of discipleship. And if we can just acknowledge that, that is so freeing. And if we can just acknowledge that, then it, then it takes us back to that idea of why we need one another and, and why God designed his church to be his people and why God designed life to happen better together. 
we each give out of our strengths to each other and we each depend on each other in our needs. One of my favorite things to do is to teach my son how to ski a couple years ago. And yet, you know what? This year he taught me a couple things that I didn't know and he's nine. And the same thing happens as we get to know sisters and brothers in Christ. It doesn't matter how long they've been walking with Jesus. He gifts them different gifts and he wakens them to different things than you. Discipleship is neither one way efficient up and to the right, nor is it, well, this person has been walking with Jesus for X amount of time, so they're probably 98% mature, and theirs is to pour into the objective across the board, 62% mature person. And we're all differently gifted to grow up in every way into Christ who's the head. Is that good news? Is that freeing? You don't have to be perfect. And so you don't have to pretend like you're perfect. But you know what it means? It means it's, and this is hard, it means it's also okay to admit your need for others and ask for help. And I don't know about you, that is not a thing that I'm gifted in. It's not something that our culture says is, is okay to do. So there's likely areas that, that I'm mature that you're not, but I desperately need your maturity in areas that I'm weak. And again, that's what Paul talks about when he references the next slide that isn't coming up. But he talks about speaking the truth in love and growing up in every way into Christ who's the head. And as we do that, just to summarize the rest, we all get to grow up together. And we all become more and more like Jesus. So to be really tangible about this, this is why DNAs, missional DNA groups, that's why there's such a core of our church family's philosophy. Uh, DNAs engage all three of those elements. Another, another way to think of kind of the relational, transformational, and commissional is, is, is to kind of recognize like what bent you kind of naturally have, uh, in, up, or out. These are way overgeneralized, but they're easy to think about and talk about. Um, some of us are just really geared toward one another, caring for one another, serving one another, bearing each other's burdens, loving one another well, this kind of stuff. Others are just more, much more geared toward how do we become, how do we become more godly? How do we know God more? How do we pursue the Bible more? This kind of stuff. And others are like, why are we spending time together when we have a lost and dying world out there? Are all of those really valid and really as beautiful aspects of discipleship? Absolutely there's a high chance that you're gifted in one or two of these, your natural bent, supernatural bent, if you will, kind of goes toward one, in, one or two of those. And there's a high likelihood that someone in your DNA is bent toward the third. And you know what? That means you need them to help you grow up in that way. And it means they need you to help you grow up in ways that you're strong. This is by God's design. We all have gifts and we all have needs. We're all in different places and we need each other to grow up in Christ. We need each other to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. That's why DNAs are so important. And also, the beauty of, of being a small church family, which we value knownness very, very, very highly, the beauty of being a small church family is that we can know each other better. It's not, it's not a claim, like that big churches can't or this kind of stuff, but it's just one of, the, one of the factors of where we're at as a church family is that we can know each other a little bit more easily. And so at some point over the course of 2024, our, our servant leader team, the Tatums, and, and we would love to, to, to meet up with, with every household 
and just sit with you and spend some time with you and do a little bit of kind of just a spiritual heart, soul, mind, strength check. Um, not like, we're not going to grade you. <laughs> um, you can grade us, in fact. Um, it's not a big brother kind of thing, but, but rather we just want to celebrate strengths and, and pray into needs and hear from you and, and see if there's ways that, that, that you can be helped in your growth in Christ. Um, also just to, to continue to create a, a, a culture where it's okay to be needy. Again, that's God's design. So, so that's part of our hope, uh, DNAs, and then checking in at some point this year, I want to celebrate with you, hear from you, serve you as you participate in God's mission as we get to live out kind of our family DNA, family identity of salt and light. So hopefully you'll have us. We're excited to spend some, spend some time with you this year. So that's our goal. Discipleship. It's a reminder of, of who we are, of what we're doing as God's church, and a little bit of how we want to pursue that together this year. Any questions on that before we move into the other part? Okay, if you do have questions, we'll be in the back here in a little while. Um, so if our goal is discipleship, our overarching goal is discipleship, our overarching reality is dependence. And here's what I mean by that. We can't accomplish our goal. We can't disciple you well. No shepherd can care well enough, and no evangelist can share the gospel winsomely enough, and uh, no prophet can, can make you obey. No teacher can say the right words to convince you. I think we're utterly dependent on not ourselves to see our goal accomplished. And you know what? That's not a bad thing. Even Jesus says this. This may sound a little bold for some of us, but Jesus tells his disciples and even some of the opposition, truly I say to you, the Son of God can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees his Father doing. Then a little bit later, do you, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you do not speak. I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works." that shock you? Like even Jesus was utterly dependent on this perfect Trinitarian relationship. How much more do we need God to do what only God can do? And, and we can't become like Jesus or be with Jesus or do what he did on our own. We need each other, but even more than that, we need God. And so I want to spend the next 15 minutes or so just in open prayer, acknowledging that objective reality acknowledging our dependence on God. So, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite you into this, okay? Uh, I want to pray through Salt and Light's mission and then the priorities that we've set down since our church began. Uh, and so I'm going to share kind of a prompt and a theme and a little bit about each. And then I would love to invite, and this is a risk, here we go. I would love to invite a couple of you uh, to pray out loud. Everyone can pray in their heads, that kind of stuff. But I'd love to invite us to kind of just pray through maybe one that resonates with you. And all throughout, kind of like, here's one prayer that we would like to pray, but, but you're not tied to that one prayer. If something sparks you, then we'd love to hear what the Spirit is leading you to pray as we depend on Him. So if you like to pray standing, if you like to prostrate yourself on the ground, if you want to move around at all, this kind of stuff, uh, feel free to, but we're just going to spend the next 15 minutes or so prayer in, in prayer. So would you join me, whatever posture makes the most sense, as we pray together? And this is the first the first area of prayer, the first thing we're going to pray through is just everything we just talked about. Um, 
would you pray today? And I would ask you, would you pray over this year for Salt and Light's mission and our discipleship values? Um, would you pray that God would draw us into being with Christ and becoming like Christ and doing what Christ did? And that he'd help us embody our kind of family identity and empower us to be salt and light. And would you pray that God would help us make disciples of Jesus by seeking his kingdom in everyday life? Would a couple of folks pray through that? So because we want to <clears throat> prioritize making disciples and doing so in everyday life, one of our priorities is uh, what we call simple gatherings. And here's how we've defined this. Um, whether folks are deconstructing, reconstructing, uh, ex-evangelical, evangelical, skeptical, curious, uh, we want to be a place where all are welcome in these gatherings. We'll discuss and teach the scriptures that hopefully we read in the previous week, and we worship God through psalms, songs, celebrations, communion, prayers, and things like this. So, so one of our goals for this year is to continue to shape Sundays around this concept of holistic discipleship, that, that even Sundays will be a place of, of relational, transformational, and commissional pursuit of Jesus together. So a prayer, uh, among many others, toward that end is that God would give us uh, more knowledge and love of Him, and that He'd guide us in our teaching and liturgy and songs, that He'd be present and lead us. So a couple of folks pray for our gatherings, whether those things or anything else, praises or requests related to simple gatherings. Another priority is realize the, the nature of the body of Christ is women and men leading together. And the way we describe this is by saying spiritual sisters and brothers need each other's perspective and distinctions and voices in and for mission and ministry. Uh, so we uphold male eldership uh, as, as a responsibility under Christ's ultimate authority, um, and yet we want to see godly and mature women and men lead and serve in our church family together. Um, so part of our hope and goal this year is to, to add a little bit of uh, shepherding cap capacity to our staff team over the course of 24, um, and also to add some new DNAs, uh, at least by the fall, because some of y'all know this, some of your DNAs are getting real, real big, which is a great thing, um, and yet, since we value knownness and walking together, we want to make sure that folks can be served well. So, so a prayer within that is that God would embolden women and men in our church to lead and to serve, and that we'd be able to start at least three new DNAs by the fall. Um, anyone pray into that and or other things related to women and men leading together? Father, I just want to thank you for just the many, many gifted, specifically women in our church and coming from a background that was uh, less about seeing everyone's gifts thrive. Uh, I just want to thank you for the massive blessing you've given salt and light. Um, guys as well, but specifically, Lord, I want to thank you for women. Related to that, one of our values is empowering each other's giftings. Um, kind of flow together nicely. Everyone is gifted as a vital and needed member of God's body. Uh, so we want to equip and empower uh, and affirm every child and woman and man to thrive in their giftings and creativity and passion for God's glory and for the good of our church family and for the mission that God sends us on. So part of our hope this year is to define and celebrate areas of strength and to bolster and pray into areas of need. Uh, again, as we sit down with everyone across salt and light, um, and also that we'd be willing to acknowledge that in, in each of us, that we become more open about even celebrating our gifts, which can feel just as hard sometimes as acknowledging our, our own weaknesses. Um, so do we celebrate God's work in us? 
And then would we pray, among other things, that God would stir a confidence in him to celebrate our own gifts and to be okay relying on each other and theirs, and that he'd stir creativity and passion across our church for mission and ministry. So you want to pray for those or other prayers and praises related to empowering each other's gifts? And specifically, we like to mention that one of our priorities is equipping children and teens and, and their grown-ups as well. Uh, even in that uh, idea of empowering each other's gifts, we specifically worded it that we want to see children and women and men uh, equipped because that often is the, the reverse of how culture thinks about everything. Um, and so we want to specifically call out that, that children and teens and grown-ups have a place uh, in discipleship here, not just to receive, but to, to be part of discipleship from younger than we often expect them to. So Jesus highly valued inviting kids to participate in God's kingdom. And so we want to prioritize child and teen specific spaces for peer relationships and teaching and equip kids and teens to start discipling others. And we also want to, and probably have some room to grow in this, and we want us to do better at helping grownups with everyday discipleship at home. Um, so one of our hopes for this year, as we continue to see kids get older as they do, is to add some high school discipleship. Um, and bolster opportunities for uh, kids to be involved both for themselves and of each other, um, and then to serve parents, especially of young kids, in knowing how discipleship can look at home. So a prayer is that God would add more workers for various age levels. Um, and, and you need to know this, whenever we uh, talk about kids volunteers or junior high volunteers or soon-to-be high school volunteers, like what we're, what we're talking about is workers for the harvest. Like this isn't just filling a space or or, you know, keeping us child safe, although it is that we take that very seriously, our ratios and that kind of stuff. But it's an opportunity to really be involved in discipleship. And every kid who gets discipled, one of my favorite things is to, to know how many people around this room have impacted that. Um, and so we are praying for more workers for various age levels and also that God would guide us as we invite kids to participate in discipleship and mission. So you know, we pray for that and or other praises and prayers related to equipping children and teens and grownups. And then our last kind of like foundational priority, we have other priorities, seasonal priorities, this kind of stuff, but the last one we're going to pray through is transformative cultural engagement. Um, and we simply believe that the gospel really is good news, and that it's good news for everyday life, and it's good news for every cultural moment. I just want to grow in declaring the gospel into areas of our personal unbelief, in areas of cultural division. And want to grow in displaying the gospel by engaging justice and pursuing the poor and helpless and marginalized. And a couple of ways we'll do that this year. Um, we, we always, every year, we have some money set aside in our church budget that if you have a, a pursuit, whether you or family or household or DNA, um, pursuing some form of transformative cultural engagement and, and need some help with that, uh, we have some missional grants. It sounds way too formal. We have some money in our budget that, that can help you with that. Uh, but also want to use Sundays and DNAs uh, to, to consistently talk about and grow in applying the gospel to all of life. And you all know as well as I do, this is going to be a chaotic year between elections and economics and wars and who knows what else is coming. It's just January, so it's going to be great. Um, so starting next week, both in, in this space and in some DNAs at least, we're going to uh, talk through kind of the theme of exile and just the reality that we live in a land whose values are not our own? Um, and how do we engage wisely and well here? Um, and then through the rest of the year, what does it look like to truly live a spirit-led life and 
Look at the the book of Jonah, who was sent to love people that he really didn't want to love, um, and probably do the book of James in the fall to see all of life as a as an opportunity for God to meet us and work in us. Um, but again, all of these things are just recognizing, hey, like we don't do this thing on a Sunday separate from the world that God has sent us into. Um, and so, hopefully, our, our our prayer into this is that God would use each other in this space and DNAs to help us apply the gospel into some of those uh, areas of unbelief and the chaos that we're entering into this year. So uh, a prayer is that God would help us cut through the other things that would want to take his throne and see the gospel in our own lives and cultural moments and the actions and opportunities around us. So anyone praying to that today? What I'd, what I'd love for us to do is to remain in the posture of prayer and dependence as we take communion together. Um, and uh, the way that we do communion is to come up and to take the bread and dip it into the, the wine or the juice, whichever you're comfortable with. But, but here's how I want us to remain in this posture. It's because communion is a lot of things um, and means a lot of things. One of the things that communion is and means, though, it's a multi-sensory way that we declare our dependence on God. Um, we see the elements, we feel the, the cracker of the bread, we smell and taste the juice or the wine, we, we hear the crunch. Um, and all of these things remind us we desperately need God's promises, which are primarily sealed in the death and resurrection of Jesus and empowered by the Spirit. We need God's promises to keep us alive. We need God's promises to do what we can't. We need God's promises to do His work and His will and His mission. Father, thank you that the, the simple elements of bread and juice or wine remind us of your presence, that you're here with us, that you do invite us into relationship, and that there's something, something just indescribable about the way that you do transform us and our desperate need for you, uh, your spirit to come into us, to keep us alive and grow us, and thank you that you invite us into relationship with you, but also into the work that you're doing. Um, so Father, I just want to pray over my sisters, brothers, friends, that whether, whether they're in a moment today of David's worshipful elation, dancing naked before you because we just know you're that good, or whether we're in the depths of despair with Job, even whose friends gave really terrible advice and he had to find you in the midst of that bad advice. Lord, wherever we are, somewhere in between, would, would this simple act of putting this wine or juice dipped bread into our mouth remind us of your presence? Remind us of our dependence for you, for these priorities, for our church's mission, for discipleship, and also for everything else that is good and lasting. This is the body of Christ broken for you, church. The blood of Christ shed for you. Take, eat.